you the latest football news from Sheffield and beyond. This is Shoe Football Forum. Afternoon, how are you doing? It's 22 minutes past 12 here on Wednesday the 11th of March. Welcome once and all, uh, one and all to Football Forum here on Shoe Radio. Joe Padfield, Josh Chapman and Connor Thorpe with you as always. Afternoon, fellas. Good afternoon. Hello. It's an hour and a bit of all the latest news and goals concerning the Blades and the Owls and there's a bit of everything else. British and European football as well. So here's what's to come on the show this afternoon. Once again, United very sharp in the Premier League with Captain Billy preparing himself for Tokyo 2020. Uh, with a fantastic diving header to seal a 1-0 victory against Norwich. Wednesday stung for five. Connor's blood pressure is through the roof and his blood alcohol's in the four Griffin Park pubs. The, ble- the bees tearing the owls to shreds after shipping another quintuple at Brentford. In the Champions League, out you go. Laurie's making another couple of clangers as Spurs fans head for the exit and the team does too. Losing 3-0 to Leipzig. In the top stories, with the recent coronavirus outbreak, we look at what could happen in the Premier League. We also turn our attention to the weekend's action as United travel to the land of the local hero, YI Man, as uh, in Newcastle, and Wednesday's potentially got Forest, but potentially not. And another round of unpredictable Champions League, Championship and Premier League action all involved in this weekend's games. As ever, we are still Sheffield Helms' undisputed number one football show. This is, of course, Football Forum. And it's live. Cheers, Martin. So let's crack on with the show as ever. And always, uh, we require a few beers. Connor's uh, blood alcohol is probably still a bit too high, but I'm sure he can squeeze in another one. As Chappers gets the drinks in for another round of the pub quiz. Uh, yes, I feel like it uh, was mine relatively recently, but it turns out it wasn't. I've just not been here for a few, uh, <laughs> so apologies for that. But uh, here is your pub quiz question for today. As of 20, uh, December 2018, right. name the four football managers to manage in the Premier League at the age of 70 or above. Right. So as of December 2018, there have been four Premier League managers to manage in the Premier League that have been 70 years, age, uh, 70 years of age or above. And we name them. Find them. Right. Uh, well, I've definitely got... I definitely know I've got two. I think I've got three. Right. But we've got a, an hour to uh, to work them out. But that we'll is your quiz question. Uh, the, there are four Premier League managers as of December 2018 that have been aged 70 or older. And Chappers is looking for the names of those famous four. And uh, we'll give you the answer at the end of the show. But we're going to start, as ever, with, uh, with Sheffield, <coughs> excuse me, with Sheffield United. Back in uh, back in league action, as ever, and uh, ahead of that tasty looking uh, FA Cup quarter final against Arsenal uh, in a few weeks' time. United uh, welcome Norwich to Bramall Lane. Uh, obviously, both teams coming up uh, as automatic uh, promoted uh, last season, uh, and United unbeaten against Norwich uh, in the last three games. But could they go uh, for a top flight double? over the Canaries for the first time in over 80 years. Let's find out, as ever, in the company of Adam Oxley. Lundstrom into the area. Brilliant cross! Billy Sharp! Bullet header! You just do not leave that man unmarked in the box! Wonderful stuff from the skipper! It's three goals in four for him! He scored in the week! He scored again today! And with nine minutes to go in the opening half, Sheffield United have the lead! 
Buendia towards the bike post, headed towards goal, Dean Henderson saves, it's off the line, Dean Henderson again, David McGoldrick away, if he saved that, that is an absolutely world-class save again from Dean Henderson, it's behind for a corner, it looked to me like it might have been touched over the line, but it's incredible work from Henderson, he somehow scrambled to keep it off the line. From the replay we've just seen above us, it looked like Henderson did superbly to keep it out. So Sheffield United there in action against Norwich. Connor, talk us through it. Yeah, so the Blades did complete a double over Norwich City. They won by one goal to nil. And it was Billy Sharp's goal after 36 minutes that was the difference between the team. A wonderful between the teams. A wonderful ball from John Lundstrom from the right hand side, picking out Sharp and his diving header was too hot to handle for Tim Krul. Norwich did have a chance in the second half. A fantastic triple save from Dean Henderson kept, kept them out. And the Blades held on for a much-needed victory. Well, I say much-needed, I mean, you know, <laughs> that's probably a bit... Oh, in terms of your conquest for European football, it probably it's is. It's always much-needed. Much um, but it's a, it's a result that keeps United, puts United up to seventh and two points off fifth. And here's how Chris Wilder reacted. Great day for the football club, you know, the, the scenes at the end, you know, we're not getting carried away, but it was brilliant to walk around the pitch and, uh, and the obvious connection that we've, we've built up over, over, you know, the two or three years um, since we've been here was, was there and, and, and evident to see. So I, I really thank the supporters for driving us on because there was a lot of tired bodies out there. It was a difficult afternoon and they changed their shape and went diamond. You know, we've played at that shape before and it really does cause a lot of teams problems. Um, it's it's really a risky shape to play. So we were a little bit disappointed that we didn't find the second goal. We didn't get the ball out the middle because there's a lot of bodies in there. But it's another win for us. 43 points at this stage of the season. And, uh, and, and yet again, a, a huge connection between uh, supporters and players and staff. And, and that is absolutely priceless um, as far as I'm concerned. So another win and another clean sheet for United. Lads, your thoughts on that? Yeah, uh, the 10th clean sheet of the season, um, which is a, a fantastic, fantastic record. United only conceding 25 goals um, all this season, which for a newly promoted side after 28 games, that's less than a goal a game. So fantastic defensive record um, as far as United are concerned. Fantastic goalkeeping record in terms of Dean Henderson. He's been absolutely outstanding again this season. Um, despite the one or two mistakes that he might have made, he's more than made up for it in, in performance performances like he, he put in against Norwich that triple save was enough to warrant any position in any starting lineup in the Premier League in my opinion mm-hmm. and probably puts him firmly in pole position in my opinion to be England's number one um, ahead of Jordan Pickford Tom Pope's the other name that's been thrown about Nick. I think not Tom, <laughs> yeah. Nick Tom wouldn't be playing again um, Nick Pope is the other person in, in, in the frame for that um, but I think Henderson has to edge it for me um, in terms of where United are in the league and, and how consistent he's been over the last couple of seasons um, but a fantastic result a game that was never going to be easy Norwich are always one of those teams that try and not necessarily. Well, they try and bring the game to you. You know what you're going to come up against against Norwich. You know you're going to probably fall partial to the odd theatric or two, um, <laughs> and that happened through Grant Hanley of all people. He was the one throwing <laughs> himself to the floor um, and complaining every five seconds. But um, you know you, you kind of know what you're going to come up against against a Daniel Fark team. They're going to be relatively well organised. They're going to look to catch you on the break, and they are going to be dangerous going forward. Um, but it's been a story of Norwich's season so far that. 
they've got a you know they've had a couple of decent chances, but they've not taken them, and and you know they've been resigned to a, a defeat through you know defensive frailties, um, and that's been their, the kind of story this year, um, but also last year as well. We we touched on it a lot that a lot of, a lot of the time last year Norwich simply scored more than they conceded mm. uh, in games, and and that was you know part of the reason they got to so you know to the to the top of the table. Um, so as we we will hear uh, later on, um, Norwich for me are probably one of the teams that are, are resigned to going down. I don't think they've been good enough through the season. But Sheffield United keep going on and on and on, and that's three wins out of the last five and a, a, a great result. And that ball from John Lundstrom has to be one oh, of the crosses of the season. Oh, of course. I mean, we all we all enjoy watching Sander Berger. I mean, he's he's done well. He's done very well to to obviously adapt to the Premier League. Obviously, being in um, been play, playing in the Belgian league previously, and obviously, were you surprised to see him dropped? No, I wasn't because I've said previously when I watched him against Brighton, he he didn't look too good for me, but that's primarily because he's it takes a, a while to adapt. Let's be fair; this is probably the toughest league in Europe. I, I think the difficulty for me was that you know he came in and after a couple of days he was thrown straight in the deep end exactly. you know, away at Palace, uh, and he's obviously got talent, he's obviously got quality. Chris Wilder says you know said the other day um, that if you look at Jack O'Connell, Jack O'Connell's first four or five games mm. he was absolutely woeful for us, and I thought, oh dear me, what have we signed? But now look at the kind of player that he is exactly. for us. He's, he's probably one of United's most important players um, in terms of his. You know, position and the quality that he possesses, and Berger will, you know, will turn into one of those players as well. I think he just needs a little bit more time to adapt. Um, it's not easy coming to a place he's never been to in a league he's never played in with a, with players that he's never played with before. So, you know, it's not going to be easy for him. Um, he needs time to learn his role uh, within the, within the setup. United play a very um, individual style of football that he's not really copied anywhere else in the world. So, you know, he needs time to work that out. And Lundstrom, you know, fair play to him. He's come back in after being dropped a few games, and he. He's really made a, a claim for to keep his to keep his place in the starting eleven. Um, but what a ball that is! And I've seen it a few times on Twitter. If De Bruyne or you know any other equivalent kind of player had put that in, you'd be talking about it for weeks, and there'd be a load of coverage for it. But just because it's little old Sheffield United and John Lundstrom, who came from Oxford United, nobody seems to care that much. And another massive talking point from that game is the yeah. performance of Dean Henderson. Quite. Let's hear what Chris Wilder had to say about it. That's what he's. <laughs> That's what he's there for. <laughs> Make a couple of saves. Has he got man of the match? By the way, he's only made a couple of saves. He hasn't had to run around for, a, for for ninety minutes. Just stands in the goal and ball comes to him. Does what he has to do. And uh, um, and he and he's he's done what he's needed to do today for the football team. Does a postman <laughs> celebrate when he delivers the post? Probably not. <laughs> well, it is his job, isn't it? You know. Um, you know. A lot. I saw. BBC Sport posted that clip on Twitter and you know some fans were saying that it's ridiculous what Wilder's saying and you know he shouldn't be saying that you know to a to a young goalkeeper but I'm thinking he's a character he's though, joking he's obviously. obviously mugging him off and he? he's obviously taking the mick and and that's know, what Sheffield United can do because obviously they've got that that camaraderie we've got that team spirit and okay Wilder maybe does have a bit of a dig at Henderson even though it is only a joke he has a dig at him probably a bit more than anyone else but at the end of the day when he's coming up with those kind of world class performances. 
I think Wilder's got every right to say what he likes. I, I think, for me, it highlights a bigger issue of fans voting for Man of the Matches. Because yes. it really, really winds me up. Well, Last funny... season it happened a lot where Mark Duffy would be... And, and, and I know I'm... I'm oh, one here, we here we go. Duffy. No, 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 hear me out. <laughs> poor Mark Duffy. You no, know, no, 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 seriously. You know, a lot of the times last year, he'd have a very poor 75 minutes of a game, but he'd have a a very good 15 minutes of a game where he might influence a game either getting an assist or score a goal and then fans had voted man of the match and you just think how can you say he's man of the match when he's had an absolutely woeful 75-80 minutes and he's been good for 10 minutes of the game it's the same here with Henderson you know he's not being called upon for, for large parts of the game he makes one triple save and that's it he's man of the match let's there are be better fa- players on the let's pitch let's be fair I think that Henderson the man of the match that is United's man of the match that they vote on Twitter which gets about 200 votes and that's not true it gets quite a few votes does it because I can never do it but that's because the, the internet in that ground is horrendous but anyway coming back to the performance not like you'd know he never got uh, hey. oh, <laughs> oh darn a minute he beat me to it but uh, no, financial reasons but anyway um, no Henderson fantastic performance from him and let's be fair the two key moments in that game sharp scoring and like I said that header Surely he must be in for Tokyo 2020 for the diving team with that kind of header. That was fantastic. Alongside Grealish and Madison, if you if you don't Chester. start him, don't <laughs> start him. Just for just for argument's sake, the poll, the man of the match before uh, poll on Saturday got uh, 1,100 votes. That's probably from about 600 people that are watching, uh, listening to radio at home. But there you are. Anyway, um, so now fantastic performance all round, and realistically, United. It, it was a performance that we needed, obviously, because we needed to beat Norwich, obviously. Norwich can spring a surprise, but I think it's just, well, it's just a case of rolling on, isn't it? Ten games to go, and, uh, well, the, I don't want to mention the six-letter E word, but uh, it's, grasping, it's grasping ever closer now, isn't it? But uh, that's fantastic. Mm. Anyway, anyway, uh, we shall uh, we shall continue with Sheffield United's exploits later on in the previews, uh, but for now, that wraps up United. <laughs> Bringing you the latest football news from Sheffield and beyond. This is Shoe Football Forum. Notice how I say United and not Sheffield United. It's like saying Manchester, but never mind. Uh, this is, of course, Football Forum here on Shoe Radio. So, United's done. It's over to Wednesday now because, uh, well, after uh, after putting in a fairly decent effort against Man City, only losing by the solitary goal in midweek. Uh, attention turned back to league action. Uh, they travelled for the final time uh, to Griffin Park to face Brentford, who were in fantastic uh, run of form. But uh, Wednesday needed to continue that fantastic effort um, against Brentford because Brentford can definitely spring a surprise. Now, we're not going to play the entire commentary, uh, but Andy Giddens made the trip down to West London. Tariq Fossu into Ben Rama. Closed down by two in green for Sheffield Wednesday. Then Tariq Fossu! He shoots! And it's five. Horrible day. Horrible performance. Wednesday have been battered. It has been... Well, a merciless performance from Brentford, but a very weak one from Sheffield Wednesday. It's been shockingly easy for the Bees. Nine minutes to go. Brentford five, Sheffield Wednesday nil. Mm, uh, <laughs> um, we're going to get the thoughts of, uh, of Mr Thorpe in a bit, um, and we wonder how much of it will be broadcastable. Uh, Chappers, can you sum that game up for us? Uh, I will try, and as you heard there, Sheffield Wednesday made... Um, 
the trip down to Brentford and after a positive, well, kind of half positive midweek fixture against Manchester City, a, st- a good steady performance uh, and only losing by one goal to the current Premier League champions, it was much, much the opposite um, as far as the performance was concerned. Josh De Silva in the 10th minute opening the scoring for Brentford before Emiliano Marcondes in the 18th minute doubling the scoring. Brian Embueno uh, in the 40th minute making it 3-0 and it was really a dire first half from Sheffield Wednesday's point of view. Some very, very poor defending on display. That third goal in particular, three passes from the edge of the Brentford box and it's ended up in the back of the net. Uh, And in the second half it wasn't much better. De Silva getting his second and Brentford's fourth of the afternoon in the 73rd minute. And to round it off, a five-star performance, uh, Tariq Fosu in the 82nd minute. Really, really putting the nail in the coffin as far as Wednesday are concerned. A disappointing afternoon, to say the least, from them. Uh, An embarrassing afternoon, but a very good afternoon indeed for Brentford. And here, after that, is what Gary Monk had to say. Yeah, very few times I'm lost for words, really. Um, Yeah, inexcusable. Um, Once again, um, ridiculous goals against... um, I felt we were hiding today, that's what I felt. Um, shirking that responsibility on a football pitch and and um, yeah, that's been the problem for um, quite a long period now and um, as much as we work on it and go through it and all those things and all those words that I've said and um, all those actions, um, yeah, it doesn't seem to be curing. So um, yeah, very, yeah, very embarrassed. Very tough to take, and tough to take for everyone and fans behind their goal. Yeah, I feel very, very sorry for them at this moment in time. There needs to be a lot of thinking done by everyone. I think um, there's some really deep-rooted issues here that are very clear. Um, I think we can get to a better, a better day and a brighter future, but um, we're unfortunately going through some some very very difficult moments right now do you need to sort of swallow your pride and bring back Westwood and Hutchinson for all they might be difficult do you need them back I understand why, again why you're asking it but it was no different in there there was mistakes and it wasn't as if those particular players were lighting up the well for us either Gary Monk there talking after Sheffield Wednesday's embarrassing 5-0 defeat away at Brentford Connor same old story, isn't it? A poor defensive display and goals that you really really shouldn't be conceding yeah uh, an embarrassing and uh gutless display once again it, I feel like I'm I'm a bit of a broken record at the minute I'm coming on and saying the same thing week after week probably not as in strong terms as this uh, but yeah very concerning that we don't seem to be learning from our mistakes we don't seem to be righting the wrongs of previous games some of the defending was an absolute joke I mean that third goal in particular Lost for words really how, how, how you, like you said earlier when you summed up the game I think it three was passes. three passes all 10 or 15 yard passes as well it's not like they've played a long ball over the top no pressure on the ball nobody anywhere around them the structure of the team is completely off um, massive gaps in between midfield and defence where we allow Brentford to just waltz through mm. and if you it happened time and time again exactly, though, where yeah, not just, just got goal. in behind yeah. mm. or got in behind between or, the centre in, in, or in between the yeah. lines when you've got people like Ben Rama uh, and Bumo as I was reliably told how it was how he pronounced mm. it by oh. Naz last week um, and people like Mark Condes and, and Josh De Silva. And Josh De Silva was absolutely unplayable. Um, and but but it's easy for them when you give them that amount of space. Uh, and to be fair to Brentford, we'll give them credit. They were very clinical, very very good. Um, but we made it so easy for him. It was a complete waltz for them. And um, yeah, big questions need to be asked now about. I hate to say it, but the mentality of the players. I I, I always think that's a bit of a lazy 
thing to put it down to. But you know, it, they're, they're so weak mentally now that every time we concede, we just open the floodgates pretty much. And um, where do we go from here? Where? How can you see this team dragging us out of a relegation dogfight? Should we get a points deduction? I really can't. So very worrying times at the minute, and another disgusting performance from us once again. I mean, you look at Wednesday's defence, obviously, as you come back to that third goal. I mean, I've seen it, and I I simply cannot work out how they've been allowed the room to get three 15, 20-yard passes, bunk, 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 and it's Mm. in the back of the net. It's put in that net, unbelievable. It's like literally, you, you could have placed it. You could have literally rolled the ball and it wouldn't have been as sweet and it it just beggars belief how horrendous Wednesday's defence it's a recurring theme become. it's a recurring theme that's probably the, mo- the most extreme example I've seen of a Wednesday performance in terms of not getting close to people not making yourselves hard to beat and play through and not not pressing enough uh, not doing those basic defensive things we did the same thing against Reading against Derby against Blackburn um, so it's not a surprise. Um, the 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 thing that absolutely just blows my mind is how we look so good defensively before Christmas, and now we are us and Hull for a period of fifteen games, which is a pretty sustained period of time. We've both been the worst teams in the league by quite a distance. I mean, it's the first time that Wednesday have conceded five goals. You've lost five nil twice for the first time in a in a league season, I think, in your history. So I think so. Wow. I saw the stats. So this obviously goes some way to showing something needs to change. What is it that needs to change? Would it, is it a case of saying, do you know what? Let's get rid of all the first team players next game. Let's get the under 23s and see how they do. Mm. Is, is, it, is, is it as drastic as that? Well, it's as drastic as all as mo- the vast, all, all the first team players obviously it, aren't performing. It's, it's as drastic as the vast vast majority of the first team players having to leave in the summer, in, having to leave in the summer, and us completely rebuilding the team. Uh, I don't think it's I don't think putting all the under twenty threes in is a reasonable solution, and expecting them to to come in and change anything because there's a reason. Some of them may, may be ready for first team football. I spoke last week about how Alex Hunt should have started. Um, but realistically, they'll probably put more effort in. But they've not got, they've not made, not quite have the ability to to compete at Championship level. I don't think they will. So that wouldn't be uh, a, a beneficial thing to do at all, to be honest, for me. Uh, but yeah, drastic changes needed in the summer. What about Gary Monk? Does he stay? Well, Does there's only go? there's only so long I can sit here and defend him. I've I've defended him quite a lot this season, um, and I still recognise that they're. The problems at Sheffield Wednesday are a lot bigger than Gary Monk. However, he's not helping himself at the minute, is he? I think overseeing this run of games, I think it's is it is it three three wins since two well two win two, two wins, wins two wins in twenty twenty yeah um, since since just before Christmas, mm. which are, like I said is the second worst record in the league from that period of time. Um, obviously, there's more deep, deep-rooted issues, but for me at the minute, Monk's getting it horribly wrong tactically, mm. Ch- chopping and changing every week, which I don't think's helping. I get performances aren't good, but I don't think chopping and changing every single week is helping. Stuff like playing Alessio de Cruz out wide and keeping faith with Dawson, um, and just the complete structure and the lack of organ- organization in the team. I think Gary Monk's got to take a lot of re- responsibility for that. I did say to you, there's only so long I can sit here and defend him for, and I think a bad result against Forest, I think I might 
I might think I might be calling for him out. And I'm not suggesting that's going to solve everything at Wednesday. But my worry is that if we do get a points deduction, we need a short-term change of fortunes. Now, if we do get a new manager in, other things have to change. Other things have to change for it to benefit us long-term. But we may need a short-term kick up the backside, new manager bounce just to get to safety. That might need to happen, but... We'll wait and see what happens on against Forrest. On weekend. a bit of a more cheerier note, obviously, as I say, it's the last time you've gone to Griffin Park. Uh, obviously, being demolished uh, at the end of the season, they've got the new Brentford Community Stadium, or whatever it's called, uh, coming for next season. I've never been myself, bowl. but... Mm. Uh, it's, it's, I won't say it's a soulless ball, but it's nowhere near. It's not Griffin Park, is Nowhere it? near Griffin Park. Have they, are they going to have four pubs in, in each corner? I doubt it, but I think that because it's quite near, I think you'll probably be able to go to those pubs anyway. I think, mm. uh, yeah, it's 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 a shame. It's my favourite away ground, so I wouldn't say it's on a more cheery note that it's going well. Uh, I, I definitely won't miss the the defeats there. The last three times I've gone, we've been well beaten comprehensively each time, two nil, and we could have been more in the first in the last two times before the weekend and the five nil. I haven't seen a score there since the game where we won 2-1 um, when Lucas Schau scored in Carlos's first season. So, yeah, in terms of performances and results, he's not been good, but it's uh, it's a, it's the last remaining terrace in this league. And, uh, yeah, I'm definitely going to miss it. I'm definitely going to miss the Griffin, which is a great, great little pub. Um, it's just a shame, really, that all these old grounds are dying out and being mm. replaced by new, less atmospheric ones. But the beauty of having a, a terrace in the championship is... Uh, is obviously going to be gone now, which is a shame. Mm. And you won't even see a terrace. But I suppose they've got this new stadium because Brentford could be going towards Premier League football next season rather than Sheffield Wednesday, maybe heading towards League One. But that's a matter for uh, for another day and we shall see. Um, and that is United and Wednesday done now as ever. Uh, he's making a return after after a week out and uh, there was no local roundup fun enough in uh, on Friday's show, but he's back to do what he does best. And Mr Chapman has the weekend's action. As ever, from the local grounds, it's local roundup. Yeah, and we will start in the championship. Uh, the only local game in the championship left, apart from Sheffield Wednesday, and it was Barnsley. They uh, hosted Cardiff City, and a game that they really could have done with winning to keep their relatively decent form on the up. They uh, had won three of the last four games, uh, lost the other one, and it was another loss uh, on the weekend. Uh, like I say, they hosted Cardiff and Wolvokes and Callum Patterson in the 65th and 66th minute. Two quick-fire goals for the Bluebirds sent Cardiff home with the three points. And in that game, there were no shots on target for Barnsley. They are still bottom seven points of safety. That recent upturn in form seems to have gone back the other way now. Um, so Barnsley still very much in trouble. Moving into League One, Rotherham made the trip across the Pennines to Rochdale and it was a disappointing trip for them. Ian Henderson scoring twice and Matty Lund uh, in the 28th, 70th and 75th minute uh, putting Rochdale 3-0 up before Jamie Lindsay scoring what can only be described as a consolation in the 92nd for the Millers. Uh, Millers currently now sitting in second. Coventry are extending their lead at the top after they won at the weekend too. So that is five-point lead for Coventry. Rotherham sit two points above the playoffs. Uh, moving, uh, staying in League One actually and Donny Rovers they made uh, a trip down to MK Dons and it was a good afternoon for them Jacob Ramsey scoring the game's only goal in the 67th minute for Donny Rovers ensuring that they got three points on the road Rovers currently sitting ninth 
in the table. They are five points out of the playoff, but their recent form hasn't been too bad at all. Uh, moving into the National League and Spyrites also away from home, also across the Pennine and also a happy trip back. Uh, dangerous Tom Denton in the 40th minute opening the scoring for Jordan Cropper doubling the Spyrites lead. Connor Hall pulled one back for Chorley but it wasn't enough and the Spyrites made sure they took all three points. Chesterfield uh, currently sitting in 20th. They are out of the relegation zone at the moment thanks to three wins in their last five games. Uh, they are only two points clear of the drop zone so still work to be done as far as Chesterfield are concerned. But John Pemberton seemingly doing a good job at Chesterfield and at the Pro Act, as well as away from home. And that is your local roundup for this week. This is Sheffield Hallam's number one football show. This is Shoe Football Forum. On Shoe Radio, it's ten to one on this Wednesday afternoon. Thank you for your company. Now, as always, you know that Football Forum has a lot of special guests on this show, and uh, today is no different. In fact, um, because we managed to get not one but two uh, on the show, and uh, we're going to kick things off first of all um, with Dave Beckett. Now you may know we've uh, we've been trying to get him on the show for for quite a while. Problems at our end, of course, uh, and it was fourth time lucky as we spoke earlier on to Dave about his career, the Premier League and Brighton. We've sorted out all the gremlins. I love it. <laughs> we Eventually, yeah. Got there. Finally. Just to make clear, it's not all my fault. <laughs> no, it's completely <laughs> ours. We'll not. take uh, 100% responsibility on that one. Um, <laughs> now, obviously, we all know you. Well, us as journalists know you from, from quite a bit because you've done a fair bit over the years. But um, yeah. throughout your career, what would you say has possibly been your uh, some of your highlights throughout your career? What would you say? Going back, probably the most famous uh, match I was at. Do you, you, you guys know about Jimmy Glass? I mean, we are going back. A oh long yes, time. oh yes. <laughs> aware of the Jimmy Glass goal. I am indeed. Yeah. Well, okay. So, well, so so that is the one. So I was presenting the Football League Extra show back then, and it, it was a bit different in those days because that was the only place you could really kind of see this, you know, the Football League stuff. Mm. Um, you didn't have all the live coverage on Sky, and uh, I was actually stood next to the goal. The terrace behind that goal was closed, but I was literally standing right next to the goal where Jimmy Glass scored to keep Carlisle in the Football League. And there was me and there was a guy from Sky. Um, and all I remember is he said to me, that was the goalkeeper, wasn't it? And I was like, yeah, yeah I think it was. <laughs> and then obviously it was just absolute chaos. You know, it was bedlam from that point onwards with a pitch invasion and everything else. Carlisle had stayed up. We piled into the dressing room and Michael Knighton was in there, the guy that tried to take over Manchester United, who was chairman of Carlisle at that point. Um, Nigel Pearson was the manager. I think that might have been his first managerial post, um, who, who sort of kept himself out of the celebrations a bit. So, but you know, experiences like that were fantastic. And the funniest thing about that afterwards was that we were on the pitch doing the closing link for the programme, and uh, I was there, sort of in the goal, you know, saying, "So this is the goal where what's surely one of the most famous goals in football league history has been scored right on this spot." And the groundsman came running across the pitch going, get off the pitch so it's after the final game of the season and we got mate there's just been like 8,000 people on it you know <laughs> like, and there's not another game for three months what's the matter with it so let's move on to Brighton now your team as you mentioned previously um, having a bit of a wobble not once uh, since the, the turn of the year including a defeat to my beloved but hopeless Sheffield Wednesday in the FA Cup um, two points clear of the drop. How, what do you reckon your chances are of staying up this season? 
Well, listen, I was at that Sheffield Wednesday game, and oh my goodness, Brighton were bad in that game. <laughs> so, I mean, all credit to Sheffield Wednesday, but they were terrible. I think that was probably the worst they've played for a few years. Um, I tell you what, as well, I was at that one, the, the playoff game as well, where you absolutely mugged oh, yes. a few years back. Wonderful. Um, now, I've got to th- now I, I came to Hillsborough for the first match, um, which was one of the most depressing because Brighton had, I think, we had four players injured, didn't we, in the first hour? Yeah, and then you were, um, ended up with ten men because I think Knockhart got yeah. stretched off. That, I mean, incredible. And, and the, 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 talking about memorable games, the second leg of that playoff, the first twenty-five minutes, half an hour of that game at the Amex is genuinely, I think, for, for all the big matches I've been to, been lucky enough to go to, all over the place, the atmosphere for the first half hour of that was unbelievable. And that was because, obviously, the stadium in Brighton is quite new. For me, that was kind of when the stadium came of age that night because it was just incredible. And I don't think I've seen a team take the sort of pounding that Sheffield Wednesday <laughs> took in the first yeah. 20 minutes of that game ever. I mean, I'm certainly not from a Brighton team, you know, because um, it's really been through thin and thin for us, really. Um but, and, and then you still mugged us with a goal that should have been disallowed. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> Longest 90 minutes um, of my life, though. Anyway, what was the question? It was about... It was about what relegation. Was yeah, about. survival chances. Yeah, relegation. Um, it's a difficult one because Graham Potter's obviously trying something you know very different this season. He's trying to change the way they play. And I think people appreciate what he's trying to do. And they're certainly playing a lot better... Um, in terms of uh, the fan experience, if you like, when you're sitting there watching the games, it, it's much, much better than it has been before because of the type of football they're playing. Um, we, we did, in the end, become very much, uh, a, you know, keep what you've got was the sort of mantra for the first two seasons. And we, by the by the back end of last season, they were barely crossing the halfway line. So, so it's good from that point of view. And I mean, I know everyone keeps on about the they haven't won yet in 2020, which is true. There's no denying. But I think they've got six draws maybe in that, maybe even six or seven draws, I think. So, you know, you sort of feel like, you know what it's like as football fans, you kind of feel like you're on the brink of a breakthrough all the time, but it's just like, which way is it going to tip from from the draws? It's a really tough run coming up and um, it's going to be touch and go. I think that's all we can say at the moment, really. I'm sort of hopeful with the chances they're creating. I think against Palace, it was like 22 chances the other week. You know, if they can keep creating chances, you feel like at some point, you know, the goals are going to go in and you're going to get the maybe sort of six or seven more points that might might be enough. But, you know, it's going to be tough. It's going to be touch and go if the season lasts that long because um, who knows at the moment with uh, coronavirus and everything else. The game the game in the weekend, I think, is in a bit of doubt now as well. So mm, it, uh, it is. It's been an absolute, uh, it's been an absolute pleasure to uh, to speak to you this, uh, this afternoon, Dave. A huge thank you and... Uh, we can't wait to hear you uh, on the Premier League review and on uh, and on Quest uh, for the rest of the season. Hopefully, anyway. Great stuff, chaps. No, <laughs> that's a pleasure anytime. Bringing you the latest football news from Sheffield and beyond. This is Shoe Football Forum. Football Forum here on Shoe Radio. Thank you. Uh, for joining us on this Wednesday afternoon and once again a huge thank you to Dave Beckett we'll also chat to him a little bit later on in the show Um, but now we turn our attention from domestic football and we travel a little bit around Europe yes it's the Champions League and it is the uh, the second legs of the round of 16 Um, and we're only going to start with um we're only going to start with Tuesday night's action, obviously, and we'll come to uh, to next week's action on, well, tonight's action on next week's show. We're going to start with Spurs. They're the first team out uh, of uh, the Champions League, first of the English clubs out. 
Um, and, well, it frankly, Spurs are in Eric Dyer Straits at the moment because, <laughs> well, they lost 3-0 on the night, 4-0 on aggregate. Uh, Marcel Sabitza with, uh, with a couple early on. Hugo Lloris dropping a couple of clangers and, uh, well... Rassenball Sports Leipzig as it should properly be known um, are through to the quarterfinals Spurs were poor mm. um, I thought they, they showed a, a lack of intent going forward, well just generally I thought they showed quite a lack of intent um, I thought they were poor at the back, I thought they didn't close down quick enough, I thought they left uh, so, um, Leipzig with too much space uh, too much room to work with and when you you, when you're leaving strikers who are in clinical form um, with with that amount of space that they did last night, they're always going to be punished. I thought Larice uh, for the first goal in particular was poor. Um, he should be keeping that out. You know, he, he's got a cross to it, um, he's posi- but his hand position is all wrong. It's, I can't remember if it went over him or under him, but he's, he's made an absolute mess of that. And then the second one, admittedly, defensively, Spurs should do better. Um, they probably should have closed quicker, and did, you know. The header shouldn't have even got anywhere near the Leipzig player. Um, but Lloris, I know it was a powerful header, but you'd expect Lloris to react quicker. Um, he wasn't even actually looking at the ball. I don't think he was expecting the, the, the Leipzig player to get anywhere near it. Mm. But you've got to be anticipating those as a goalkeeper and you've got to be doing better to keep them out. Yeah, uh, I think Spurs, like you said, I've got a bit of sympathy for them though because of the injury situation they've got. Um, I don't think many teams losing the quality of players that they have done is in, you know, Bergwijn, Kane, Mora, sorry, not Mora, Son, uh, Sissoko, you know, these are, are key players for Spurs that they've all been without and no wonder they looked a bit toothless going forward. Mm. Um, when you're having to play Deli Alley up front who didn't isn't really, yeah, didn't really influence that, yeah, he's not a striker so we can't really be too critical of him. I just think they looked a bit toothless up front and I think, I'm not saying they would have won if they'd have had all those players, but they definitely uh, made much more of a game of it. I think defensively, though, I don't think there's too many excuses there. Uh, I think they're caught in a... They've got a kind of... Some of the players are a bit past it and some of them aren't quite ready yet. So you've got maybe Tanganga. It's maybe a bit harsh on him because I think he's done well since he's come in, but he's still a young lad. He's also been moved about a lot. He played at right centre-back yesterday. He's also played right-back, right-wing-back, left-back, which is a bit unfair on a young lad, I think. Um, and then you've got people like uh, in the team like Older Ryweld and Vertonghen who are probably a little bit past it at the minute and Larice mm. as well um, so that probably doesn't help maybe they're going through a bit of a transitional period as well um, and maybe they're paying the price for when Daniel Levy didn't invest in those transfer windows where he just brought nobody in uh, maybe now they're feeling the effects of that uh, I thought they really struggled, especially down that right-hand side with Tanganga and Ori. I think they got the ball got caught in between them a lot. Tanganga didn't know whether to go out wide, sometimes got a bit cu- caught too narrow. Ori, as he often does, getting caught out of position. Um, so, yeah, defensively poor, but I think going forward I can cut them a bit of slack. Mm. Uh, the question is, Leipzig, they're through to the quarterfinals. They've only been around for, what, 10, 11 years? They've come up from the fifth tier of German football, the second for the past couple of seasons in the Bundesliga, into the quarterfinals of the Champions League. Let's be fair. Could could they do it? Could they get to the final? 
I'd be, I'd be surprised. Uh, I, I think we should credit them for yesterday. I think they were fantastic. I think that midfield as well of, of uh, Conrad Limer and Marcel Sabitzer. I was looking at the stats for the game yesterday and, and Conrad Limer made eight tackles in the game. Spurs made wow. nine. Oh, wow. So that thing, I think that tells you everything you need to know about. And bear in mind that Leipzig had more possession as well. Mm-hmm. Um, that probably tells you all you need to know about the intensity that was there from Leipzig that probably wasn't matched by Spurs and how hard it was for for the midfield to get into it. I think Harry Winks was was a passenger, really. Um, completely dominated that midfield area. Uh, and Limer as well put, you know, played some great passes into that into those channels which Spurs struggled to deal with. Um, they've obviously got Timo Werner, who's, as a striker, in terms of getting behind, getting in behind with his pace, he's probably one of the best in the world at it. Um, you've got Upa Meccano, who was fantastic at the back yesterday. An absolute unit of a man, you know. Continue, <laughs> always brings the ball out of defence. Um, Angelino as well. I thought he was very good yesterday. Put some very good crosses in. Got into some good areas, and he very rarely got played at City. Um, so he he, he looked fantastic uh, last night. Having said that, I think they probably take a quite a lot of risks in games where they play quite a high line. Spurs turned possession over quite high up the pitch sometimes in the last night and you do think that a more a team with a bit more quality up front would punish those sort of mistakes mm. Spurs if they had Harry Kane and and Son mm. maybe would have punished one or two of the mistakes as well so that probably makes me think that they're not going to get all the way to the final but it's you know it's admirable the job that Nagelsmann's doing there indeed uh, so from Leipzig and Spurs we turn our attention uh, well just quickly tell you about Valencia and Atalanta because obviously this was one of the games that was played behind closed doors with the whole coronavirus thing, which we'll uh, we'll discuss in a little bit. Uh, Atalanta, they were four one, uh, yeah, four one up from the first leg. Uh, Josep Ilicic, he got another four. He's now the oldest player uh, to score four goals in a Champions League game uh, since Ibrahimovic which is uh, is good to get him off another record uh, but 4-3 to Atalanta on the night uh, so 8-4 on aggregate and this is a team who uh, the Juventus uh, president Chappers uh, said uh, was not fit for European football because they had no history hmm um, well, they've disproved that theory, haven't mm. they, really? Um, great result for Atalanta. Probably one nobody really saw coming over the two legs. Mm. Um, you, you would have probably expected Valencia to do a little bit better. Um, but Atalanta really showing their stripes and showing what kind of credentials they've they've got in, in European football. Um, don't get me wrong, I don't think they'll get anywhere near the final. But, um, you know, a great result for them. And, and great to see them doing so well as well and proving all, um, proving all the pundits wrong. Indeed. Um, so in terms of tonight's action, Liverpool are going to play Atletico in a hugely contested game that uh, we'll bring you a reaction to next week. Uh, PSG and Dortmund are also in action. Uh, Dortmund 2-1 up from the first leg there, but that one is going to be played behind closed doors. And then Tuesday, next Tuesday's action, uh, Juventus host Leon, looking to overturn a 1-0 deficit. And uh, hopefully Aaron Ramsey is going to score again in that one. Uh, three games in a row. And uh, Man City have got Real, so some tasty fixtures to come there uh, but that's all your Champions League stuff uh, done and next we turn our attention to our second special guest Joseph, Josh and Connor this is Football Forum only on Shoe Radio Football Forum here on Shoe Radio 1 o'clock uh, thanks for your company now we're going to move on because we have our second special guest as we said earlier on um, 
now you may have you may watch Sky Sports News. Now um, we are delighted uh, to have to have spoken to Rob Jones, who uh, does a bit for Sky Sports News and Premier League Productions, but he's also works at Liverpool F- Liverpool TV. Uh, now we caught up with him earlier on to discuss his beloved Aston Villa. Let's hear his thoughts. They played Leicester on Monday night, lost four 0 What were your thoughts on that game? What were my thoughts on that game that we can put on the radio? Uh, <laughs> not very, not very good as a cleaner today. Um, I, I mean, I put a tweet out on Monday that I, I, what I can't fathom with Villa is that they have Dean Smith, who's a former central defender as a head coach. They've got one of the great defenders that, that any of us will ever watch in, in John Terry as, as assistant manager, first team coach, call him whatever you would want to. And defensively, they just seem so open. Um, and they, they they went through a little spell New Year's Day. They played away at Burnley and they picked a back three for the first time. And it seemed to work for two or three, four games, including the two legs of the cup semi-final against Leicester. They won a couple of other games. Um, but that then sort of went downhill pretty quickly. They played appallingly with a back three. Uh, where at Southampton lost 2-0. They went back to a uh, back four for the cup final against City and played really well. And you might remember that in the immediate aftermath of that game, Dean Smith has all the players in a huddle in the centre circle. And, and the message apparently was, look, if we play like that in the next 11 league games, we'll probably be OK and stay up. And that wasn't the case on on Monday night. They played OK for about the first 10 minutes, but they got deeper and deeper and they're just so easy to cut through. They're, they're really poor from set pieces. They've, I think they've conceded 15 goals from set pieces this season, which is more than any other team in the Premier League. And it's, it's not a groundbreaking piece of analysis. It's a fact which is, which is proved accurate every season that the team that conceded, concedes the most goals every year gets relegated. And at the moment, Villa have conceded the most goals. They're on course to concede the same amount of goals as they did uh, the season they went down, 2016. So that is the problem. If you can't defend it's very, very unlikely that you'll be able to stay in the league, unfortunately. And I think I think that's where we are with Villa at the moment. And there are various reports that Dean Smith's job is under threat. Would you like to see him stay? <sighs> Put me on the spot here today, aren't you? Yes. Goodness me. Um, <laughs> look, I think, you know, I've dealt with Dean. I've interviewed Dean a good few times. and Dean, Dean is a great guy um, and he's a Villa fan as well. And he is desperate to to do the job to the best of his abilities and desperate to make a success of it. And I think it's pretty important to remember that Dean Smith took over with Villa in the bottom half of the championship, probably in February last year. It looked very, very unlikely they were going to get anywhere near the playoffs. They went on a a record-winning run for the club to get themselves into the top six, beat West Brom and Derby in the playoffs to get up. and and then, I mean, that's where, in, in some ways, the sort of problems begin to take shape for Villa. And, and recruitment and the makeup of their squad has been pretty difficult in that last season they were promoted with with Mings and Axel Twanzebi as their two centre-halves. Twanzebi was fantastic and just as good as Mings. Mings got a lot of the credit, but Twanzebi was just as good. He's gone back to Manchester United. He had John McGinn, who was a huge part of that promotion. He's been injured for most of the season. And then he had Tammy Abraham up front, who was top scorer, either sec- top scorer or second top scorer in the championship off the top of my head. He goes back to Chelsea. And that is an area where if you go up, you, if, you've got, if you've got a guy in your 
you know, Squally will score you 15 goals and you'll probably stay in the division. Um, and, and Villa recruited Wesley, who is a young guy who played in the Belgian league and has taken a bit of time to settle before getting injured on New Year's Day. And then brought in Ali Samata, also from the Belgian league. Um, and a few of the other players they've brought in just, just haven't quite worked. And, I mean, one of the big questions is, is how much of a say Dean gets in the recruitment of those players and how much of it is done by Suso, who is the, the sporting director who, who arrived at Villa with a, a big reputation. Um, but you've got to say that some of the players he's brought in don't look at the moment, and a lot of them are very young guys, and maybe in two, three years' time they would be up to it, but at the moment they don't massively look up to the task of, of Premier League football on a regular basis. So that's a long way of saying I'm not sure. What I think <laughs> Villa... I was actually going to say, about... I was going to say, so in a word, would you like him to stay or go? Because you didn't actually say either way. But if you're not sure... Listen, what, what I would say, what I would say is this. What, what Villa fans don't want, I think, is for Dean Smith to lose his job and the club to bring in one of the traditional firefighters for the next nine games, eight, nine, ten games, to try and get them out of the woods and then be in a position in June where we say, right, well, where do we go from here? Because we've seen it with other clubs before. You know, Everton have done it a couple of times particularly with, with Sam Allardyce. I remember a, a cycle of Sunderland doing it time and time again where they mm. got someone in who kept them up and then they got to sort of August, September of the next season and then they got rid of him and then the whole thing started again and eventually it catches up with you. So I think I think the best way of answering it would be would, would Villa rather go down with Dean Smith in charge than maybe stay up by the skin of their teeth with Sam Allardyce in charge. I think the answer would probably be they'd rather go down with Dean Smith in charge. Rob, it's been a huge pleasure to uh, to speak to you this morning and a uh, huge thank you for, for giving up your time to have a chat to us. You're very welcome. No problem at all. Bringing you the latest football news from Sheffield and beyond. This is Shoe Football Forum. It's football forum. It's shoe radio. A lot to get through this uh, this afternoon. Thanks for thanks for sticking with us. Now, obviously, it's been in the news quite a bit, and uh, we're going to cover it here on football forum. Coronavirus. It started. We all know by now. Uh, in the Wuhan region of China, a uh, month and a half or so ago, and uh, it spread all across the world. Various countries reporting uh, many cases, uh, a few deaths as well, including us here in the UK. Um, and it's it's affecting sport in general. Uh, many tournaments have been cancelled, postponed, uh, even an F1 races uh, go, uh, going ahead behind closed doors. One's been postponed and football's taken a hit as well. Man City Arsenal that was supposed to be rearranged for tonight, that's been postponed uh, because of Arsenal's, uh, some of Arsenal's players coming into contact with uh, Nottingham Forest's owner, who's also owner of Olympiacos. He uh, he met the players a few weeks ago and he's tested positive for coronavirus. Uh, there's a ton of games that are going to be played behind closed doors. Bayern, Chelsea, uh, Barcelona, Napoli uh, next week. PSG, Dortmund tonight, as we said. Europa League, they've got a few going ahead behind closed doors. Wolves travelling to Olympiacos. They wanted to, uh, they requested to postpone it. UEFA rejected that. Uh, Roma were sp- are supposed to be travelling to Sevilla. Uh, the plane, we've just found out, breaking news in the last minute or so, uh, is not authorised to land in Spain. So Roma won't be going there. So I don't know what's going to happen with that. 
Um, Serie A, that's been suspended because the whole of Italy is in lockdown. La Liga, that's all going to be played behind closed doors for the next couple of weeks. Ligue 1's behind closed doors for a while. Um, and this really brings the question of, um, of what should be happening next because the Premier League hasn't yet. Uh, that's still uh, going on with fans. Um, so the question really is where... Well, the debate opens up is where football should be heading next, and the Premier League especially, with this uh, potential behind-closed-doors nature. Um, and obviously you've heard earlier on from Dave Beckett and Rob Jones, we got their thoughts on where they think uh, what the Premier League needs to do about this coronavirus. I mean, I would have said until, certainly in the Premier League, I think outside of the Premier League, perhaps the situation is different anyway, you know, because, uh, I mean, you, you, you've got a real problem here, haven't you? Because the Premier League clubs, you would assume, because of the TV money, can mm. probably pretty much survive. You know, they can ride this thing out. Certainly in League One, Leagues One and Two, you know, those clubs, if the fixtures end up being cancelled, then surely that's a disaster. I see Gary Neville, I think, probably with his Salford hat on and said, you know, that, that he would rather that the fixtures were postponed because those clubs obviously need the gate money so desperately. Well, I think it's terribly sad for Liverpool, really, because what a team they've been over the past, you know, well, past two seasons. And whatever happens now, it sort of feels like their big moment, if you like, is spot. I mean, imagine if they've got to lift a trophy in an empty stadium. It, it's, I've, I've, it's quite heartbreaking for their fans, really. And I know a lot of, <laughs> a lot of people don't have a lot of sympathy for, uh, you know, any of the big clubs, if you like, not just Liverpool. But, um, yeah, I do, I do feel sorry for them, especially the fans that have followed them and, they've, you know, the ones that were watching them sort of 30, 40 years ago and have waited you know, 30 years to see them get their hands on the league title again. I think that's that's pretty sad, really. The way things are going, you know, I, I just 10, 15 minutes ago before you guys called, you know, I was just looking at my computer as to all the various sporting events that have been called off or postponed, whether it's football, whether it's um, Six Nations, all sorts, Taekwondo, rowing, everything. So I, I think we will be at a, probably at a stage where it will go behind closed doors. If everywhere else around Europe with problems is saying we're going to play games behind closed doors, we're going to postpone things, then England has to follow suit because the the protection of, of people's health and safety is, is the most important thing. The, the measures that we can go to, every sort of preventative measure to stop this virus from spreading is, is more important than football, rugby, any sport in the world. The voices there of Dave Eckett and Rob Jones, our special guests on uh, this edition of Football Forum. And realistically, lads, this brings hope in the debate of what should happen. Obviously, Serie A has been suspended, the Italian league. The other leagues are ploughing on ahead with behind-closed-doors nature. But what really should, well, football in general and more so the Premier League be doing next? Well, I just think we're trying to make out as if nothing's happening and just carry on as normal when actually it's far from normal really it's a it's a global health emergency uh and public health has to come before football at all really um it it, people's lives are at stake here and i know people will say that you know we're not going to die of it because us three here will be will be okay if we do get it but i've got grandparents you know Mm. that people have grandparents and I think some people sometimes people are a bit selfish about it, thinking, "Oh, I'll be fine." You know, it's only the flu. When actually, um, the most vulnerable people in society are going to be affected by it. And playing football matches, which is obviously a massive public gathering, where there's a potential for 
the virus to spread in its thousands, really, amongst people, is, uh, is I know I'm not an expert, but it just doesn't seem logical to me. Pretty much, most of the, a lot of other countries are doing it around around Europe. The experts there seem to think that that's the best thing to do. So why are the experts here saying that it's not the thing to do over here? I think forget about football for a couple of weeks at least. Either suspend it or put it behind closed doors. Mm-hmm. I know it's going to cause an absolute absolute mare for the for the for the FA for the Premier League for the EFL. Um, but really, that comes second when you're talking about people's lives. Indeed, and there's one potential uh, suggestion for the Premier League that it could just be played behind closed doors, it could be suspended, scrapped the season, and there's also this potential, if it does go behind closed doors, for the entire remainder of the league season, obviously, there's all these three o'clock, Saturday three o'clock kickoffs that don't go, that would no one would be able to go to. Now, the, you may know there's this, uh, there's this law that... TV broadcasts in England are not allowed to broadcast live football matches in the league Saturday 3 o'clock. That's been since the late 80s, and that was because they didn't want to drive attendances down, basically. So the question is, and this is one for you, Chappers, if the the, the season goes behind closed doors, should this talk that the, the blackout would be sort of suspended so people could watch them at home, what, do you, what are your thoughts on that? It has to. Um, you can't deny football fans the chance to watch their football team. Um, and if it's if it's not going to be in the ground, then it has to be on TV um, or via some um, broadcast. Um, because you know football fans have the right to see what their team is doing. Um, you know they've supported teams through thick and thin over many many years for some people, and it would be simply unfair if they didn't um, allow that to happen. Um, so, yeah, the, the 3pm blackout has to go, um, as far as I'm concerned. It needs to go. Um, common sense has to prevail here, um, which is an unusual thing to happen in mm. football and in life in general, but common sense has to has to prevail. Um, and I, as I mentioned in, 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 my inter- in the interview with Dave, I think it was earlier, um, saying about lower leagues struggling with gate receipts if they don't open uh, open grounds um I, I think the only really realistic way would be to charge fans a similar price as they would pay for a match ticket mm. if you've got a season ticket then that's slightly different um you should obviously that should be honored and it should be free for you to watch it but if you want to watch it and you haven't got a season ticket then you should charge probably maybe half the price of a regular match ticket mm. um and that and that money should go to the to the clubs as if they would would be there at the ground exactly yeah. it's, a, it's a really tough one and I, I don't really want to I can't really sit here and say this should happen this should happen because really it's such a tough thing mm. for the oh, authorities to decide yeah. exactly but my my only point is that really you have to put all that to one side and mm. think about the public health yeah and really if you allow this thing to continue and you allow large public gatherings like that we could end up in a few weeks we could be like Italy Mm. So let's try and get ahead of the curve now mm. while we can to try and contain it. Anyway, that's my thoughts. It I'm no expert, but yeah. that's just my thoughts. Thank you, Prime Minister. <laughs> <laughs> I'd do a better job than you him probably, at the minute. You would, yes. I won't let it spread a po- across the population and then take the hit, as he says. That What a ridiculous thing to say. Anyway, getting very political. Uh, but anyway, that is all the news on the coronavirus. Obviously, next week and uh, the weeks that it does continue, we will keep you up to date on what goes on and uh, any postponements. But as ever, for now... There is football to be played. And uh, attention does turn to the weekend's action in the previews next.
Joseph, Josh and Connor. This is Football Forum, only on Shoe Radio. It's ten past one. It's Football Forum on this Wednesday afternoon. Thanks for joining us. Now we're going to start with uh, with Wednesday for the weekend's action. You're hosting Forest. Now, obviously, he's supposed to be hosting Forest. You're supposed to be ho- hosting Forest. Well, um, there was all this about obviously uh, Forest owner has contracted coronavirus, so uh, there was a threat that the players may be the case. But all the players we've heard and the staff have been tested at Forest and they've come back negative, which means, theoretically, Should go ahead. the game will go ahead. So, in that case... Um, have all the fans been tested, though? That's, that's the issue. Yeah, but really, how many fans are going to be in contact with the owner? Not that many. It's a small proportion, well, isn't it? But then that fan who I saw a guy on Twitter who he had a photo. The owner, had a photo. Yeah, yeah, he'd he'd yeah. been in contact with other fans, and that's just how it starts, yeah, isn't it? So I, I think they do need to have a real look at it. Uh, but in I terms think the, the vast majority of fans would probably be okay, mm. won't they? Well, yeah, you'd have thought so. But like I said again, chances for, for a football match is it is the chance worth taking? I, I'm not too sure. Anyway, um, <laughs> Wednesday against Forest. Um, well, I suppose that the case is you've got to do something about this uh, this horrendous defensive record and uh, horrendous attacking record at home as well. Uh, we've scored sixteen goals in eighteen games at home. It's the worst. Um, it's the worst record in the league. Um, this one's going to be a tough one, no doubt about it. Forest fifth in the league with sixty points. Um, in fact, if we look at the table since the four 0 win, which which was a bit of a turning point in both teams' seasons, if you remember, because Forest then went on a reasons. yeah Forest then went on a good run after it. And they seem to react very well to a four 0 defeat, where we seem to react react very badly because after we beat Bristol City, obviously we know what happened from that point. So since a four 0 if the table had started then, Forest would be second and we'd be twenty third. <laughs> Forest have won I'm seven. Hull would be bottom. Yes, yeah. Forest. Who would be top? Bit of a question for you. Oh. Um... Do you know what? I reckon somebody like QPR is probably not far off there. They've had a recent, uh, well, decent run Fulham. recently. Fulham. Oh, fair enough. So Forest have won seven of that, those 16 games in question. They've drawn five and lost four. We've won three, drawn three and lost nine. We've played Brilliant. 15 games since then. So, yeah, that, that just illustrates to you how it, you know, how it, <laughs> how it, how it can change very quickly. Um, we come up against the Forest team who've got the third best away record in the league. They've mm. lost three away games all season. So, yeah, it's going to be a very tough game. You know, I'm expecting uh, Lewis Graben to play, Joe Lolly, Zhao Carvalho came back for the Millwall game. So, it'll be interesting to see uh, if he starts again because he's been out of favour a lot this season. Uh, I suppose the bright side, I'll give you two reasons why Wednesday could potentially win this if we're being optimistic. Forest have only won one of the last six games since beating Leeds. Right. Which is obviously very good uh, for us. But actually, it's not very good for us because Brentford ran a bad run before we played them. That's true. So were Wigan, mm. so were Luton, so were Barnsley, <laughs> so were Reading. So was pretty much most teams we've played to and still managed to lose to. The interesting <laughs> thing, and I think we make I make quite a, a lot about this on Twitter and stuff, if you follow, follow Forest Analytics on Twitter, he... Uh, came up with this stat yesterday that Forest's record when they've had over 52.5% possession in a game they've only won two they've drawn three and they've lost seven of those games That's, that is interesting so when they've had more possession they've got a terrible record however when they've had under 48.5% possession they've won 13 of those games they've drawn six and they've only lost one <laughs> crazy now Wednesday and Forest average 
I think Wednesday the the same amount of possession, uh, 47.8% possession in a game. So Wednesday aren't a team that like to have that much of the ball either. We're one of the teams towards the lower end of that uh, list. And so are Forest. So that is food for thought. Mm. Having said that, I still, with the form we're in, I still expect Forest to win um, and to win to nil. That would be my tip. Because like I said to you earlier, we've, we've, got, we've only scored 16 goals in 18 games. Forest's away record is very good. Um, it's at home where they've struggled, which wasn't the case at all last season. It was the other way around. So mm. um, I'm... I'm it, it, I'm, I think I'm going to go one nil to Forest. A one nil. Surely we Forrest. can't be we can't be conceding three and five every game. And Forest, <laughs> they're a good side, but they're a solid but unspectacular side. They don't create massive amount of chances, but they've got Lewis Graben, who if you do give him half a chance, he will happily put one in the net. So, so you're going a one nil Forest in terms of the prediction wise. Yeah. Um, Chappers, what are you going for? Um, despite what Connor's just said, I'm actually going to go for a three one Forest. Um, I think Wednesday might get a goal here um, but I think Forrest might be on one of those days where they just seem to get a couple of chances but score them and, and be quite clinical mm. in, what, in what they in what they do um, so yeah so I'm going to say 3-1 Forrest 3-1 Forrest now I am going to go a bit more conservative I'm going to I'm, I'm going to sort of go in the middle you've said 3 to Forrest you've said 1 to Forrest so I'm going to go nil 2 I'm going to go 2-0 Forrest but, You'll like this, Connor. Go on. Wednesday favourites. What? Wednesday favourites. I'd say How? twenty-seven to twenty. How much? Forest two to one. Oh, I'm I'm, I'm definitely sticking the a turn around Forest. I'm yes. Two to one. Think about it though. Forest lost three 0 at home to Millwall last What's week. What's that got to do with it? They're That's all... got nothing to do with the price of cheese when you could turn it no. up. At no, to be fair, we lost. Well, we lost five 0 at Brentford, didn't we? Yeah. Uh, you know, f- fair enough. I take your point. Forest haven't been in good form recently. Like I said, won one of the last six. Um, but we've been in much, much worse form. And mm. Forrest are very good away and we're very bad at home. So I can't yeah. see why. I suppose Wednesday, everyone's just waiting for Wednesday to, to turn the results around, I suppose. Well, we, we wait a while. After we beat Charlton, we thought we, that might be the something to kickstart. You would have thought so. It didn't happen. But uh, anyway, so that's Wednesday. Let's turn attention to United now because uh, we're travelling up to the northeast. Uh, Anyone been noticing these Martin Offler references I've been making? But uh, the land of Newcastle... I did it. The local hero. I did it. You say that earlier. Good stuff. What a tune, man. Um, Newcastle United uh, against Sheffield United. Uh, Mr. Rob Green. Hopefully, uh, we'll get him in next week to see what he thinks of it. Um, But I suppose, Chappers, it's just business as usual. Keep going and let's hopefully ensure that Newcastle don't do the double over us. Yeah, this won't be an easy game. Um, however, one positive that works in United's favour is that Martin Dubravka has been ruled out mm. for eight weeks, uh, which is fantastic news for us because, um, in fairness, he's kept Newcastle in it a lot this season. Most um, saves in the league. Most saves in the which league. Probably which probably because proves... he faces a lot of shots, yeah, but exactly. still. <laughs> but most saves in the league. He's kept Newcastle in it a lot of the time this year. Um, and you'd probably say without him, your Newcastle would be a lot, lot worse off than they than what they are. Um, so that's one positive for United. Um, I, I'd be interested to see us starting eleven. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm a big fan of if if something's not broke, you know, don't fix it. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, the starting eleven seems to not be broke at the minute. Um, it'd be interested to see what Ender Stevens 
Uh, oh, sorry, whether Ender Stevens plays, he went off again at the weekend. Um, precautionary measure, according to Chris Wilder. Um, but we'll see if he's back. But I'm more than happy with Ben Osborne at, at, at left back. Mm-hmm. Um, he's been ample ample cover since he's he's played the couple of games that he has. Um, and I'm happy with Sharp and McBurney up top. I'd like McBurney to score a few more goals. I'd like McBurney to have a few more shots. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, they seem to be working well as a partnership. And when you've got Billy Sharp on the pitch, if you put the ball across that, you know, 18-yard box... You know, you've always got a chance of scoring. Um, so I'm going to go what I said for this one. I've said a 1-0 Sheffield United. 1-0 to United. Now I'm going to join you on that, in fact, because I'm also saying 1-0 United. It's just, that's the thing with United, you can't really see us scoring more than one, primarily because, uh, this, well, decisions usually go against us, but we, we do tend to struggle a bit in terms of scoring. But There'll be a game at some point between now and the end of the season where United will score three or four. My dad has been saying that. Some team will pan. Um, But for now, a 1-0, that's all we need. That will will do nicely. Connor, any different? Uh, I'm going for 1-0 to United as well. Uh, I can't see it being a particularly high-scoring game. Uh, United, obviously fantastic defensively. Newcastle, they've got the uh, second-worst attack in the league. They've only scored... Sorry, the joint-worst attack in the league. Only scored 25 goals. So that is a massive concern for Newcastle. Um, they're not in too bad a form. I think that I think if you'd have offered them thirteenth before the season, the where they'd, yeah, they'd they'd have taken that. Uh, but Sheffield United, they just look invincible on the road. Apart from against the top two teams, yeah. you know that's the only um, away games that United have lost this season, and I can't see that changing this weekend. So one nil, one nil. I should say Wednesday in fifteenth, Forest in fifth, and then you've got Newcastle in thirteenth. United in seventh, so tasty stuff on the three o'clock kickoffs. Um, and obviously, Football Forum next week, we've definitely got another special guest, which we'll tell you uh, at the end of the show. Um, but there's still plenty more to come from Sheffield Hallam's number one. That mountain that they need to climb is getting steeper every week. I, I understand, I think we're in big trouble. It's rotten to the core, to be honest. It's not a good time to be a Sheffield United fan. 2 1 defeat away at the Figgin. Connor, uh, Figgin. Figgin, Figgin. <laughs> I don't know. Where's Wigan. that come I'm from? Tight. The biggest guest. Oh, morning, mate. All right. Cheers, Cheers, guys. Joseph Hadfield. Oh, goodness me. So <laughs> Josh Chapman. Oh, wow. It was awful. Connor Thorpe. It was a, an absolutely massive win. Cardin already. Cardin already. We are still Sheffield Hallam's number one football show. This is Football Forum. Thursdays from 5.15. Only on Shoe Radio. I think we need a new advert doing uh, very soon for that. But yeah, Football Forum back next week at 11. Same time, same place on Wednesday. Um, right, on to un- unpredictable now uh, for another round of the predictions. But let's have a look at how we did last week. And uh, well, bit of an interesting one. Uh, Connor, you didn't get any five pointers, but you did get three two pointers. So you got six. Not bad, but not brilliant. Uh, you did get the United Wednesday double, which is uh, impressive. Not surprising. Yeah, <laughs> anyone could have guessed that. How did Naz do? Because he came up with some very uh, controversial well, ones. Well, he said 4-2 Wednesday, yeah. which I ha- I knew was never happening. And he also <laughs> said 3-1 Norwich, which I knew was He actually was gave me a bit of false hope when he said that. Though. Is that going to happen? <laughs> anyway, um, so yeah, uh, I didn't do, do too badly either. I got, uh, I got... What's that? Nine points, yeah. I got Spurs Burnley, 1-1 one, one, spot on. Brilliant. And uh, a 5-1 Stoke against Hull. That was uh, a bit of a shock. Uh, Chappers, on the other hand, he wasn't even here, but he gave us his predictions in uh, late on Saturday. And uh, he came up trumps. He got, what did you get? You got 13 points. 
13 points it's unlucky, indeed. It's unlucky for us, but it's lucky for you. Another mm. 13. Um, so, yeah, not doing too badly there. Well done, Chappers. So, he, he's clawing back. He's on 276. He's still in bronze, but uh, hey, he's we'll, getting we'll up there. there. Uh, it's a 10-point lead for me at the top. I'm on 318, and Connor's on 308. And uh, hopefully, you can uh, you can sort out your what you should actually be uh, for next week. But anyway, anyway, let's crack on. It's round number 45. We're, uh, we're motoring through these, and I've just lost it once again. Um, so uh, we've done United on Wednesday. Let's move on. What we've got tonight, actually. We're going to start tonight. The Champions League game, Liverpool and Atletico Madrid at Anfield. Eight o'clock kickoff on BT. Um, Connor, what are you saying? I, I had a, I've really changed between sort of what I was expecting in this game because I thought, oh, are Atletico going to concede more than one and might they just nick it on penalties? But... I think Liverpool will just just do enough to get through. I think they'll win two nil. So two uh, nil. Yeah, the 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 Champions League run at Anfield unbeaten stretches back to October twenty fourteen. That's seventeen brilliant. games unbeaten. Although they weren't in it for a few years. They weren't in it for a few years, but that's still seventeen home games unbeaten in the mm. Champions League, which that's is impressive. Which is very impressive. Uh, Atletico have enjoyed a bit of an upturn in form. They're unbeaten in seven. But it's worth noting that this isn't the best Atletico team that we've seen in the last few years. They no. are sixth in La Liga, uh, but they do have the second best defensive record in the league still. Mm-hmm. So there's still going to be a tough nut to crack. However, Liverpool just seem to always turn up on these nights, don't they? Mm. And, and uh, yeah, I can see them winning 2-0, but it won't be easy. So a 2-0 for Connor Chappers? Uh, yeah, I'm going to go 2-0 as well. 2-0 as well. Uh, I am going to... What have I put? I've put a 1-1, so I'm saying Atletico to go through here. Um, primarily just because Liverpool can do all these amazing Anfield nights, but Atletico are um, what's the word we used? The um, something housing. Yeah, I can't remember what it was. Am the, I allowed to say it? No, the alternative we used, but I can't remember what it was. But uh, they're going to house this performance uh, as Atletico do, and I'm saying a one-one. The odds for that one, Chappers. Uh Liverpool favourites for the game tonight, not necessarily to qualify, but for the full-time result tonight uh, at eleven to twenty, uh, eleven to two for Atletico. Good odds there, and twenty-nine to ten the draw. Right, back into league action, and it's Friday night for the Championship, and it's third against fourth as Fulham host Brentford. Very tasty. This one, Connor. Which way are you going? Uh, I think Brentford will just sneak it two one. Two one. Uh, before they played us, they were in a bit of a difficult run where they drawn four in a row. But when they seem to win a game, they then seem to go on a run of form where they look like the best team in the league. And I think this might happen again. Fulham, obviously a very good side, but they are capable of having really poor. Uh, performances, especially at home. Recently, they lost 3-0 at home to Barnsley. So, tough one to predict as well, a, a West London derby. But I fancy Brentford just to nick it, 2-1. You're going 2-1. I'm going to add another 1-1 onto yours. I'm saying a 3-2 Brentford. Um, High-scoring affair for me. Uh, Chappers? Uh, this is another one we would predict at the same, Connor. I'm going to go 2-1 as well. Um, same story, I think Brentford will nick this one. Uh, and it is Fulham, who are very, very tight favourites for this one. 31-20, to 20, uh, 7-4 for Brentford, so only a couple of quid in it if you put a tenner on it. And 32-50, uh, sorry, 94 the draw, which would return 32-50. As it stands, you two have had three of the four exact same results. <laughs> so uh, this should be interesting next Great week. Great minds. Um, moving on to Sunday's action, Cardiff against Leeds, uh, Ninth for Cardiff against Leeds, top of the tree, unfortunately. Um, Connor, what are we saying? Really tough one to predict this because Cardiff have only lost twice at home all season. That's the well, they've not got the most points at home uh, in this in the league, but it's the joint lowest amount of defeats. So they're very hard to beat at mm. home this season. Having said that, Leeds just look unstoppable at the minute. Um, 
they've they've they're taking more of their chances now and yeah. obviously Casilla's been banned so Mesley is not making mistakes like Casilla was. Mm-hmm. They've won the last five in a row. They've not conceded since Casilla threw it in his own net against Brentford. <laughs> and I fancy them to do it again, you know. I fancy them to come out of it with a two 0 win. Um I can't see how they're gonna bottle it from here now to be honest, Leeds. Mm-hmm. And uh Bielsa saying they were playing, they're playing the same way that they were before, and I think he's he's probably right. They're just taking the chances and not making stupid errors at the back. I, I don't, I don't like this. I don't like Leeds being top of the league. Uh, I'm saying a one-one, uh, primarily because it's close to the end of the season. It's Leeds. I think they're going to slip up, and let's be fair, Cardiff. They can nick some ridiculously stupid results out of. Well, so you think Leeds won't go up? Or no, I. Oh. I'm resigned to the fact that I think Leeds are going to go up, yeah. but I can't see them winning this, so I'm saying a 1-1 here. Chappers? Uh, I'm going to go 2-1 Leeds. Um, I don't really know why. I think Connor's right in the fact it is a very tough game to predict. Um, but I think Leeds will probably nick it, despite the fact Cardiff have only lost twice at home all season. Uh, Leeds are favourites, very firm favourites. 3-4, uh, to 7-2 uh, for Cardiff, and 13-5 to five the draw. Finishing up on Super Sunday... Eighth for Spurs against fifth place Man United. And realistically, this is Jose Mourinho needing a win. Otherwise, well, I suppose there's a lot of fans saying get out the door. Um, it's 4.30 on Sky. Connor, what are you going for? There's a lot of deep-rooted deep, ish, deep rooted issues at Tottenham, just like there is at Wednesday. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was gonna, we were going to talk about Man United, but we didn't quite get enough time, did we? But I just think the way they've improved recently, uh, they've, they've only conceded one in the last five. They look very hard to beat. And I think Bruno Fernandes has just given them that something extra, that man who can just pick out a lovely key pass or a lovely through ball mm. um, to, to get through an opposition defence. He's got uh, two goals and three assists in five games. I think he's been a massive part of their turnaround and I fancy them to beat Spurs 2-0. Uh, especially with the lack of um, quality and firepower that Spurs have got going forward, obviously for reasons beyond their control, um, I fancy Man United to come away with a 2-0 win. A 2-0 victory for you. I'm going to say 2-1 to Man United, primarily because Spurs do have a few attacking options that probably will stick it in the back of the net. And let's be fair, with how De Gea has played in some games... There's every chance Spurs can score. So a 2-1 for me, Chappers. Uh, 1-1. Um, I can't see either team winning this. I think it'd be a game where people would probably expect Man United to win it and I think that'll probably count against them. So I'm going to say 1-1 uh, Spurs on this one. Man United are favourites, however, at 6-5. Uh, 11-5 for a Tottenham victory and 12-5 for draw. Good stuff. Um, quiz question. Um, I think I've got a few more now. Go on then. So, just a reminder, four, since December 2018, four managers have managed in the Premier League at the age of 70 or above. Just to take it in turns one at a time. Who are they? Right. Um, oh, what's his face now? Uh, Newcastle. Uh, Bobby Bobby Robson. No, is it, yes. it is Bobby Robson, isn't Hang it? Hang on. So that's, did you say since 2018? No, up uh, as, to of 20. oh, as of 2018. Oh, no, I thought he said since 2018. No, as of 2018. Bobby oh, Robson's no. one. Yep. Oh, I've complete. Alex Ferguson. Yeah. Fenger. No. Roy Hodgson. Oh. Yep. And the other one is Neil Warnock. Neil Warnock. Uh, I, I, see, I listened yeah. to the question, Colin. Yeah, completely. Just thought you said nah, since. Thank oh, as off. Because I, I had gone for Hodgson, Pellegrini and Warnock. So Warnock. Uh, still so, you, so you got two, didn't you? Well, yeah, even with a wrong question. But anyway. But oh, never well. mind. Uh, so there's your answer. It's Hodgson, uh, Bobby Robson, Bobby Robson, Fergie, Fergie and Warnock. Warnock. There you go. Uh, so that's your lot from Football Forum this afternoon. H- huge thank you once again to Dave Beckett and Rob Jones for joining us. 
and chatting to us about uh, everything football. Uh, more special guests to come because hopefully Rob Green uh, returns to the studio and chats Newcastle when we absolutely tan them. And um, and we can confirm that uh, Scottish uh, commentator Rory Hamilton is joining Football Forum uh, to speak to us on the phone next Wednesday. So keep your ears out for that. Uh, but that's your lot from Football Forum. So from me, Chappers and Connor, we're back Wednesday, 11 o'clock next week. Take care. We'll see you soon. It's bye for now. Shoe Radio. Bringing you the latest football news from Sheffield and beyond. This is Shoe Football Forum.